1: Welcome to another edition of the Star Local Media Sports Podcast. My name is Matt Welch. I'm the sports editor at Star Local Media, and I am being joined by Kendrick Johnson, sports editor for the McKinney Courier Gazette, as well as Taylor Ragland, who writes sports for the Plano Star Courier, Alan American, and the Lake City Sun. And gentlemen, let's keep talking football. We're down to the last two districts of our ongoing high school football preview. Season starts in just a little over a week, and the two districts that we have left, we're going to talk one today, one on Monday. Today, the order of the day is District 96A. Obviously, uh, a district that um, I've been looking forward to this one for a while. This is the district that I'll be covering primarily throughout the season. Ditto for y'all. Um, this is the uh, this is the big one. This is uh, the district, of course, the four largest high schools in the state of Texas: Allen, Plano ISD. So Plano East, Plano Senior, Plano West. Your two 6A McKinney schools: so McKinney and McKinney Boyd, plus Prosper and Jesuits. So let's jump right into it because we're probably going to be talking for a bit about this district.
2: It's going to be a big um, one,
1: as has been the case. Um, you know, for uh, you know, for all of these, you know. Review We're going to focus on the teams that fall within our coverage area. So in this case, we'll be talking, you know, Allen, PISD, McKinney ISD, and Prosper. Uh, for each team, we're just going to go team by team, talk what is the biggest storyline heading into this, uh, heading into the season for each team, plus kind of our initial outlook, you know, before they've even played a second of actual football. What do we, what do we foresee <laughs> yeah. as far as, um, as far as just being where these teams finish? How wrong. You, can you we think be? it'd be easier to start with Allen's, get them out the way, then state champions? We can, but um, <laughs> i, 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 I
3: Four publications. Nobody's picking them to lose a game in district. That's known um, somebody else with a district
1: title. when you've won, you know when you've won every district game that you've played for over a decade, then you kind of get that benefit of the doubt. So once we finish talking team by team, then we'll go to some more kind of broad picture. You know, district questions. We're each going to pick one game to watch on that district schedule, and then we will all reveal our top four. Who we think is gonna make the playoffs out of nine six A. Uh, so yeah, Kendrick, you had mentioned it. If we just want to get the uh, you know get the uh, you know the teams uh Team's number one ranked st- the number one ranked team in the state out of the way right out of the gates. Let's talk about the uh, those Allen Eagles who are coming off their fifth state championship, another 16 in no season. In the midst of one of the just the special runs in recent high school football history. Um, after you know, fresh off of that win over um, over Lake Travis last year, that Allen has now won 87 of its last 89 games. It's just it's rarefied air being you know competing in the in the state's largest classification against the kind of teams that they see. Um, you know. Obviously Obviously the you know, say what you will about the size, but objectively winning eighty seven of eighty nine games in the highest classification in the Y L, that's amazing. As far as um looking ahead to this season, um what the uh, you know kind of the sub the the storyline of note, at least from uh, from my vantage point this year, is what will become of the uh, the running back position. You know, we've mentioned it, you know, time and time again throughout the podcast, so why not as well just give you kind of an update on what the status of that uh, of that positional battle is. Um right now it sounds like it's you know, at least as of last week when I visited practice, it sounds like right now it's Undecided, you know, and Coach Gamble I'm um, you know, looking for um, looking for a player to really kind of step up and seize that role, take control of the running back position because obviously that is a very important position in the uh, within the uh, the juncture of Allen's offense. You know, obviously last year with what Brock Sturgis was asked to do, and now, um, you know, it's not expected that they're going to have just another just workhorse bell cow slide in who's able to you know run the ball thirty times a game if need be. Um, but right now, um, you know, the two names that are at the forefront of that race are Selden Manning and Andrew. Henry, um, Selden Manning a name that Allen fans might remember from last year, although if you don't, I understand because you know his season only lasted three games, unfortunately, it was cut short by, um, by a knee injury that he sustained against Capel. Um, but prior, you know, he was only a sophomore last season, and even then he was able to carve out a regular role within the offense, whether it was as a slot receiver, they used him at running back a bit. So big kid? I um, mean, he's only 5'9", you know, he's oh, only 5'9", about 100, uh, 175, 180 pounds, so it's, you know, you know, not uh, not built like a tank like Sturgis was or anything like that, but um, you know, but he, uh, you know, he. You know, showed flashes of brilliance last year. He only carried the ball nine times for 35 yards, had one catch for 16. So very, very limited. But obviously, again, that was just you know limited to a uh, you know reserve role over, over the course of just three games played. But he does that have that, have that uh, you know that experience within the system, so that could you know mean something as far as looking at what might become of this positional battle. Andrew Henry was a name that you know picked up a lot of buzz you know throughout the offseason after transferring in from the Episcopal School of Dallas. Um, you know, last year Henry's numbers um, at the uh, private school level he had 93 carries for 452 yards, good for right around five yards a carry. Uh, he had nine touchdowns, plus 21 catches, 205 yards, two touchdowns. So he does have that pass catching ability, that versatility at the position that um, that Allen kind of covets out of its out of its running backs. Um, the year that um you know, but he's not familiar, but it's not unfamiliar as far as competing against Dallas area competition because as a sophomore he was the backup running back at Frisco Heritage, and that year he yeah, averaged he six and well. a half <laughs> yards per carry, almost uh, you know he ran from um, you know over 900 yards, 6.6 yards per carry, seven touchdowns. Um, You know, he caught, you know, 16 passes for 132 yards. So if um you know if you put you know if you get that then behind what Allen traditionally has up front then you know it stands to reason that the running game should again be a be a strength. Coach Gamble likes the depth there you know but obviously right now they uh, you know they haven't had a player really jump out and separate from the pack heading into uh, you know the next week's district opener against uh, against Mesquite Horn and then just um going to be fascinating to see just what happens at running back and then just the uh, kind of the trickle down effect that that could create within the offense you know. I've Obviously, I'm anxious to see what Grant Tisdale has in store this year, you know, as he enters his senior season. Last year, he was, you know, one of the most efficient quarterbacks in the in the state, for that matter. You know, completed over 65% of his passes. Um, he only threw four interceptions over a 16-game season. That's that, <laughs> so that, some rookie stats. It was impressive. Very impressive stuff. But obviously, you know, without Sturgis, it's going to be interesting to see how much, mm-hmm. you know, more he has to do. Um, you know, it's, and he's, you know, talking with him last week, you know, he's he does feel like he's, he feels like he had, uh, you know, the, the experience. That he gained from last year, and he feels like he has a bit more of a control over the offense heading into the season. And you know, Allen's one of those teams that um, we know if you you know if you watch the NFL regularly, the RPO craze last mm-hmm. season. Allen's was uh, sure enough runs a you know a lot of those run-pass option style plays. So kind of just further you know kind of crafting an understanding of that, just a reaction time to handle all that stuff. Because to what um you know to his to the Allen offense's credit, you know Tisdale said this could be the deepest receiving core that he's had uh, at that Allen. That
3: leaves me. Are they going Future Theo Weese because no one in high school football like I know mm-hmm. I would have known Theo Weese was a top. Five receiver mm-hmm. in the nation, the where they used them, and then come playoffs. Oh, that's
1: that guy. One of the things that it was playoffs, he showed up and showed out, but but it was out. Of, it was out of necessity because they lost their number two receiver, Carson Schlecker, who's you know was an Iowa State commit, you know, a great deep threat of theirs. He got injured, you know, and actually he, had, I think he'd been playing through an injury, but it ultimately was just had to you know had to you know call it quits. I think midway through against I think Trinity yeah, was the Trinity. It was the first game that he was out for, but um yes, yeah, so, I mean, yeah, I mean that just it, Allen had a really tough time, kind of finding you know other pass catching options beyond Weiss. Um this season though again there the depth is the depth is there. It's not just Theo Weese who you know if you haven't heard of Theo Weiss, how what how he's you know he's arguably the top you know top receiver in the entire country. Um you top of the state with he, that. Top of the right. state and just an absolute just blast to watch. I mean just put up a jump ball and watch him yeah. beat you know beating it's uh, the second best high point kid
3: I've seen in my two to cover behind Des Bryant. Yeah. That's that's not shabby at all.
1: So, yeah, I mean the, the Grant Two is still Theo Weese connection Will be humming this season, but there are other capable pass you know pass catchers beyond Weese, uh, Jawan Mason, Darian Sherfield. They've got a couple sophomores who are twins actually named uh, Blaine and uh, Bryson Green, um, twin sophomores who already have offers together, I believe, from Auburn, Ole Miss, and Baylor. So, hey, what are they planning? <laughs> they're actually the <laughs> they're brothers. for the JV with five offers. <laughs> they're um, they're actually brothers of, um, of Seth Green, who was the um, who was Allen's quarterback a few years ago uh, when he transferred in from. I say it might have been Minnesota. I forget. It's been a while. Um, so, um, but yes, uh, you know. So they've got they've got talent there. They've got plenty of talent at the um, you know at uh, at receiver for Tisdale to spread the ball around. So there might be some games where defenses load up on trying to stop Theo East and
3: a mouse bustle. Yeah.
1: So yeah, it'll just kind of depend. They're very much an offense that they don't want to uh, you know necessarily I guess force things. So if they really do kind of you know it's a you know pull something out of the cliche Rolodex, they take what the defense gives you in the truest sense. And they come from
3: behind. they're they going to be built because like usually they're ahead, like literally like mm-hmm. 95% of the season that's so they get real. that one game they made I'm not even talking about like, like it's 7-0 or halftime mm-hmm. like it's not a big deficit but you still doubt at halftime you think they got the offense to adjust
1: um yeah at least when you factor in just the experience that that all those guys have together yeah I mean I'm not sure how many times this season that'll you know, that'll, that'll <laughs> well, happen I to said 95% I did Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's the thing like you don't really see how to work out of too many you know too many steep deficits I mean it happened you know they I mean they drove a little bit against South Grand Prairie last It should have been 14-0. There, wasn't, there was definitely some uh, There was definitely some adversity in the state title game after they got out to that big lead and then Lake Travis came storming on back. So, I mean, yeah, it's one of those things that, you know, it's tough to really say right now, you know, sighted and seeing how they'll how they'll react. And frankly, I'm not even sure how they know that, how, if they know how they'll react. <laughs> you're not really sure if you're a program like that, you know, just how you're going to handle it until that moment comes. But, yeah, with,
3: but those, points, with
1: those guys that, I mean, there's just so much of a, uh, you know, the, the coaching staff is... Is just so you know, reserved and they keep their heads on a heads on a swivel, so to speak. And there's so much experience there, and guys who have been through that fire together that you know you trust that that you know would matter quite a bit in being able to overcome any adversity.
3: What about that secondary comment last year, secondary uh, to me, they were just okay. And in the playoffs, they were rocking mm. down and taking names. And every every week, uh, the number 22 kid was making a play. Well, guess what? And another one. All
1: those kids are gone. Uh, <laughs> they graduated the entire starting uh, secondary. They they, 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 they
3: in fact, they got were. better. As the year, yeah. Yeah.
1: It's, a, it's going to be a brand new secondary. Yeah. The only, um, you know, the only players that return in the secondary that saw, you know, any routine snaps and a reserve role last year, cornerback Mo Perkins, uh, you know, safety Devin Butler. But um, so yeah, in the secondary, yeah, it's it's of the defense right now. That's probably the biggest question mark, just because they did lose so much. But it's an area that, you know, I mean, I mean, defensive coordinator Corey Kane is as good at DC as there is in the in the state, and that's you know, as you'd expect with a program that has the kind of depth that they do. They tend to reload. You know, quite quite quickly at uh, you know positions like that. So um, yeah, it'll be. A, it's just a, a cursory look at the at the running back position for Allen, just kind of what it could mean in general for their season. As far as just an outlook, I mean, I said when you're when you're Allen, when you're in the midst of a run like they're in, I mean, it's it's state title or bust. That's not breaking any news. As far as um you know the team's ability to follow through on that, I know a lot of preseason prognostications have them getting at least to that state title game. Some you know have talked about a potential rematch with Lake Travis, which. Be obviously a, a blast, um, you know. So I mean, they're it's certainly there, certainly capable. They've got all the uh, on paper. That's the that talent is there. It's just a matter of, you know, we'll see how the matchups break. If this team can stay healthy, obviously a massive key for um, you know, for any sort of a uh, you know team that hopes to make a deep playoff run. But I mean, yeah, it's Allen. You know, they have they have the ability to win state every year. You got numbers. <laughs> so let's um, all right. So then let's uh, let's shift gears and talk about um, let's work. We can work back from some of the uh, you know some of the bigger schools now. Yeah, in this district, let's talk Plano East. Sure, Taylor.
2: Yeah, Plano East. Um, I think defense is is going to be the biggest story for Plano East this year. Obviously, <laughs> How they last, from five ninety. You don't yeah. Say. Yeah. Last, so year, last year, everybody remembers the the five ninety nine yard <laughs> performance mm. by Matt Gaddick um, on McKinney uh, the Plano East, but there were a lot of issues in the Plano East, uh, defensive unit last season. Um, and head coach Joey McCullough, every time I've talked to him since this spring, it's been, I'm still emphasizing defense. I'm taking my personal time and working with the defense. <laughs> um, they switched to a three, four, uh, to better utilize Josh Bogowski who they think, um, kind of, kind of is at home at outside linebacker, but also obviously has the ability to go play defensive end. <laughs> um, so they switched to a three man front. Uh, they, they said they'll go into a four man front every once in a while. Um, basically utilizing him to kind of move around and and, uh, match up with whatever uh, the opponent is doing. Uh, But basically, the entire season is going to hinge on whether or not they can limit teams to, you know, man, even 30 points might be enough for them because their offense is going to be high-flying once again. Um, When you talk to Joey McCauley, he's a guy that likes to emphasize the run game. Um, They have Trey Scott Jones back, uh, who... Saw action against Geyer, and I think had like a 100, 150-yard performance against Geyer, um, and I believe his only start of the season, if I remember correctly. Um, But he'll be back and handle full-time duties, uh, running the football. Uh, and they, they look to that, I guess, to set up what everybody knows about Plano East, at least in these last couple of years, and that's that they will throw the football. Mm-hmm. Uh, Brandon Mallory is back, senior quarterback. They bring all the receivers back. Senior Jalen Anderson um, is... Yeah. You know, a, lead. a good touch. Oh, yeah. Class. He can he can throw the football. When I was out at, out at their practice last week, just watching him slinging around in, in the spiral he throws, and in his arm, I mean, I saw him throw... Um, basically one little curl hop and 45, 50 yard, just go route right on a dime on, on a. I, I guess it was Braylon Henderson, I can't remember exactly, but one of their deep threats of which they have many. So they're going to be able to throw the football. I think the key for their offense is going to be working off that running game, um, trying to get it established so people don't just, you know, go cover the receivers oh and, <laughs> and, and leave five guys in the box and say that's enough. Um, but if they can get the running game established and, and work off play action, you know, Brandon Mallory to Jalen Anderson is going to be dynamic. It's almost like Tisdale to Weese. Like Weese is, is you know nationally lauded and, and an incredible prospect, and, and Anderson's
1: pretty solid exactly. too. Exactly, like the more the more talented and the more
2: recognized. But Jalen Anderson's ability to go get the football, he's a high jumper uh, for the track oh, team yeah. too. So his ability to go up high and get six, it six, is six seven. Yeah. So any ball thrown his way that that he's physically able to come down with he he will make the play. So it, it's basically going to come down to literally I mean I expect them to score 30 35 40 50 points when they run out on the field pretty much every time. 50 so, per do, game. Do, do so they talk about
3: 599 about like how that? would we're done. Basically, not basically like something remotely close to that because that's not going to happen. It, but they don't, even they don't remotely.
2: They don't bring it up a lot, at least externally. I mean, Joey McCullough in our conversations hasn't, you know, said that you know we have a big five ninety nine on the wall or anything crazy like that. But it's it's definitely a point of pride for him. Um, and I don't know if it's something he felt like he let slip or if something that um, you know he felt like he just didn't you know pay enough attention to. I don't want to put words in his mouth, but but essentially the vibe I get from them is that. He wants a renewed commitment to effort and pursuit. And, and a defense that, I mean, in 9 6 eight, you're not going to shut people out. It's just not going to happen. Yeah. But a defense that can stop people, um, that can get the offense back on the field, that can you know limit somebody to... 21 points, you know, 28 points, something manageable as opposed to, you know, losing to McKinney 63 to 50 or whatever the final score was last year. So if they can do that, I, I expect them, we'll get to our standings later, but I expect them to have a pretty big turnaround um, from 3 and 7. I think the talent is there bringing back. You know, your entire receiving core and your your veteran quarterback is huge. Um, I like the athletes they have on defense, and they have a lot of senior leaders. Another point with them is this is the first year under McCullough they've ever selected player-voted captains or captains at all, and apparently Mm -hmm. that's actually had a pretty big impact on, you know, who's kind of stepped up and, and who's taking charge of the team. Uh, he said he likes how they've all shown up for practice every day it seems like a team honestly that that had success as a large sophomore class got punched in the mouth as juniors because they got complacent and, and now kind of is getting back to you know that that mentality where you know they need to prove themselves and they know they have the talent but not just sit back and let it happen because i think that's kind of they try to just write it into the playoffs off you know their sophomore success and Obviously, it didn't happen, but I just hope yeah. they can
1: stay healthy this year. They, yeah. they, they burned up so much bad injury karma last season. I mean, they that's, that's deserve a clean bill of health. This every season. team you
2: talk to in nine six A, when you ask, you know, district outlook, how do you how do you see you guys fitting in? The first thing anybody says is, "Well, first we got to stay healthy because yeah. you just yeah. you cannot compete in this district yeah. if you it's lose.
3: A, it's a this. marathon, not a sprint. Yeah,
2: dude. if you lose important pieces and and you lose guys that are supposed to carry the load for you, you know, at, at any position on either side of the ball, then you just can't keep up in nine six A. There's just too much talent to to expect you to to keep up when when you have guys dropping left and right so but if they stay healthy I I expect them to be a playoff team
1: speaking of teams that you know had a at least at least one mm-hmm. obviously key injury last season they had to battle through and ultimately wound up you know on the outside, on the outside of the playoffs part, partly because of that bikini boy Kendrick let's talk a little about the Broncos yeah. and just what um what is the big storyline heading into the season for them big storyline is find a way to get in the playoffs they're not used to being out the playoffs it's,
3: they're going on a three year drought yeah. so they used, yeah, that's the that's cons- they used to be the most consistent consistent as they uh, when I started here so, at the paper man. So it, it, that's very much talked about. And the injury you're talking about, Christian Ziegler has to stay healthy. He's a dual threat quarterback. He could th- has, he has potential to throw for 3,000 and run for 1,000. He's that good and that capable. But his um, blessing is his curse. He's like 6'2", and he can run over people, but you can not run over so many people before you get uh, yeah. that, one, that one shot. He can move the chains. He has a good touch and he's key. They have a very Capable backup, uh, backup Colin Drake, Coach Drake's son. Mm. He led them to a five and two record last year as a true freshman in that district. That's like almost unheard of. Um, <laughs> you go from playing middle school football to that six six eight. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> on Friday night, baptism by fire. If yeah, but um, so they're good in the quarterback position. What's going to be key for Boyd is, um, and, and and the one thing that I'm from Matt knows on the Taylor about this the PISD and the MISD Shuffle back and forth Who wins at least two of those games Usually gets mm-hmm. it. like literally McKinney wrote his ticket Because they swept the PISD mm-hmm. First time in their school history And they got in They lose to one of those teams They don't get in It's just
1: I mean those PISD games Are half your district schedule And they, so and they, and they, and they almost so did it As, um, years, as
3: yeah. um, two years ago They lost to the Plano West somehow And they didn't get in They would have swept them again They would have got in yep. Two years ago So that's a very underrated thing boys had very good success Against PISD But they've always slipped up against one Last year they slipped up against Plano And and for me, I'm going to go on record right now Whoever wins that Plano-Boy game Will get into the playoffs I know it's like right in the middle of the schedule, mm-hmm. but that game is going to be a swing game for both of those those teams. And I think this year. That was the case I, last I year. It's, I think it's at Boyd again. I think it's at the new MIS, MISD. And everybody talks about the $70 million palace that opens next week. <laughs> but one thing that for Boyd, they got to be put, they, like some teams, like they, they, they automatically adapt the home field advantage. Mm-hmm. Boyd will have no choice. Seven of the 10 games are at MISD Stadium. Non-district and district combined. That's huge. Mm-hmm. And then one against Allen Um, it's not Allen. uh, one of the road games against Allen not to say that's a built-in loss but if you want to play someone on the road that's the team you want to play so all their important games are at MIC Stadium Um, and then they're going to be considered the road team when they play McKinney this year so that's a built-in home game so the schedule set up for the Broncos to go in the playoffs and like Taylor said East I got Boyd finishing second or third in this district I'd be highly highly disappointed in them if they don't make They have the, um, (laughs) their defense is
1: very,
3: uh, (laughs) (laughs) their defense is very good because like we're talking about injuries, a lot of people don't realize they lost over, I don't know exactly, they lost over 30 games mm-hmm. from, from starters due to injuries and it's like, you can't complain about it, they don't really talk about it, but that played a big role in them um, right. yeah. starting off slow besides Ziegler on defense and then um, Play Wyatt has just recently he's one of the top safeties in the nation like top 50 in uh, class of 2020, he recently transferred to um, Bishop Lynch, but I think the way they plug and play in their system, it won't be as big of a deal but, um, but he's the guy that he shows up in big games like Behind, like a lot of between the like the little they call the couple of lost yardage, mm-hmm. like against um last game of the year against um McKinney, him and Gaddick went one on one four times. He won every one of those battles. He whips one of those tackles to the house. Mm-hmm. That fifteen yard game would have been fifty yarded. He went gone. So he did the little stuff like that. So it's gonna be interesting to see who steps up in that role. But they got Brett Mastic who's like a three year starter, and um, their defensive line has some beast. Let me get my guy's name out here because I will forget. Cameron Maddox, he was a beast on the, coming off the end. That so, I'm expecting Boyd to have. Last year they had the second best defense behind Allen. Mm-hmm. I expect them to be second or third, but we're gonna see if they can get turnovers. Last year they had time, have problems getting mm-hmm. turnovers. Like the playoff game, got no turnovers and they took an L. Yeah.
1: So, with um, with Wyatt, because he, I mean, obviously you know we talk a lot about what he did on defense, but he also had a role on offense and was one of their one of their playmakers. Kind on of, offense unintended. this
3: year, they're gonna um, really really focus on. Jata- uh, Jata- Tyler Shaw switching to corner. Okay. I was their lead runner this year. But um, um, Luder is going to be Luder. Yeah. And uh, he's a guy that's worked hard on him all season. He looks faster than me. The, the one practice I went to slashing the neck up he wasn't fast enough. But okay. I think he's got the confidence and stuff. He had a mini breakout game against Aleph. That's hard mm-hmm. to say. He had yeah, a, no, nice no, run I, I recall. Yes, yeah, and he, all he, that. And I think they got his confidence up. So they're going to have to build behind that. They got an experienced line coming back. So Aleph, the, the thing that so we'll see if they can be consistent because last year boy could go off for thirty points one game and hit fourteen the next So we got to see if they have enough firepower to keep up with these high power teams
1: in this district. That's going to be very key. When you were initially talking about Johnny Luter's speed, it sounded like you said that he got faster than me. <laughs>
3: <laughs> <laughs> nah, I know a the <laughs>
1: So um, all right, let's uh, then let's shift gears. I'll talk a little bit about um, about Plano Senior. We just mentioned you know how uh, how pivotal that boy Plano game could be later on in the season. Um, I'll talk a little bit about the Wildcats as they look to them. Last year they were able to snap. Tyron Kumi up. the most electric player in this district. <laughs> Yeah, it's, it's yeah. Let's talk a little bit about uh, Kyron Cumby and just the uh, I mean, my the, the, bad. Plano, <laughs> the Plano, um, you know, the Plano offense in general this season because you know obviously Kyron Cumby, you know, Plano's lead running back, average you know nine yards a carry. He's he, he had a game against Denton Geyer where he broke two hundred yards, two hundred plus yards in just six carries. I mean, Kendrick was not kidding. He's he is as electric a running back as you will find in the uh, in the Metroplex. So, I and mean, obviously, you know, with him back this season with the job that he was able to do last year, you know, he is going to be a feature part of that offense. Offense, and at the same time, though, Plano's got to kind of find a way to, uh, you know, get Cumbie, you know, his, but at the same time not just, you know, completely sell out and, like, just basically you want to keep defenses honest, so they're not just completely loading up the box. It's like you know?
2: East. I mean, you don't want to just say, okay, we're going to snap the ball and throw it deep deal yeah. and, so you have to Jalen Anderson and a way to keep these. And... you have to
1: find a way to keep opposing defenses honest, so it's going to be interesting to see kind of how they're able to build around Kyron Cumbie, and they do have... Zero... Have you got any bigger since Because I know he got bigger from said...
3: sophomore, but
1: he's still a small guy. He said, um, when I, you know, when I talked to him last week at Plano Practice, he actually said he thinks he's gotten more elusive. Than last season, which is <laughs> when you factor in how he went, yeah. just the way he was running last season. If Kyron Guppy somehow got more elusive then, that is yeah. that's impressive. Be on, that,
3: on that shady McCoy level, because yeah. he can cut on Dom real fast. Yeah,
1: he's um. So yeah, they you know they do have you know some more experience though in the backfield. You know, last year he and Cody Christ, who's a junior, uh, this season. You know, they formed some uh, you know something of a uh, you know a thunder lightning tandem, <laughs> so to speak. They both I think they're uh, you know the combined their breakout performance together was a in that uh, in that non-district finale against Rowlett, where I mean there were multiple times last season when both of them eclipsed 100 yards per game, and when Plan was able to do that, then I mean they're going to be in pretty good shape going forward. Um, you know. But obviously, uh, you know, Cumbie mentioned that his role's kind of evolved and that he was being used out of the slot a little bit more during practice, which is something the he experimented with a little bit last season. Something that, um, you know, really jumped out if you saw them play like in seven-on-seven, where he, I mean, you could just immediately tell that Kyron Cumby has the potential to be a terrific wide receiver with his ability to, like he said, you mentioned being able to cut on a dime and being able to get open. And then once he's in open space, I mean, right, okay, good yeah, luck yeah. composing defenses trying to tackle that kid one-on-one. Yeah. Um, so... I can they get him the ball? Cause last year, it
3: seemed like... Um, well, I tracked against on Boyd. Boyd had that shot to come back because they couldn't put him away. They weren't gonna let Cummy run the ball, and they made him be in their quarterback. He couldn't beat him in
1: the air. They just, they just Boyd ran out of time. But moving the ball, the, the air, been, game, air game was kind of suspect. Moving the ball through the air has been a it's been a challenge at times for Plano Senior in recent years. I went back through and um, you know looked at I guess the last five years. Oh, he got um, some receipts. Of Plano's <laughs> of Plano's <laughs> offense um, as far as um, just what the uh, you know what they've got out of their um, out of the Passing game, you know, in recent in recent memory, um, over the last five years, Plano has, um, on total, completed just fifty point eight percent of their passes.
3: I was like, hit or miss. And In the the toe flip. Have they have they had any thousand yard receivers? Thousand yard receiver. Well, that's probably been It's probably over that, a decade. That is a old oh, question. Might have
1: been Rex Burkhead. <laughs> 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 he <Yeah>. did everything. <laughs> um, it, let's see. It would have been Chris Lott back you know, for those Plano teams, but huh. um, let's see. Well, they have I know they've only had one thousand yard passer over the last five years across that five year sample size. They've had some that were close. I mean, they had last year. You know, Jonathan Taylor threw for nine sixty five. The year before, Aaron Oregas threw for nine ninety four. So, you know, 1,000 yards is, you know, but at least as far as that threshold though, Matt Keyes in 2015 is the only quarterback that has handily eclipsed, you know, 1,000 yards passing. But while I said, you know, they'd only completed 50.8% of their passes over the last five years, During that same stretch, they've totaled 35 passing touchdowns and 33 interceptions. So it's, like I said, it's been... They
3: really rolled the dice when they they threw the ball. So that's the thing.
1: Like, on the one (laughs) hand, like, you know, while we say they haven't eclipsed 1,000 yards, well, I mean, they've been a running team. So, obviously, when you focus a ton on the run, you're not going to have a high-volume passing attack. But by that same accord, you would, you know, in a perfect world, they're able to run enough to just set up the pass, and you're able to just kind of catch the defense napping, and you know, you'd think they'd be, you you know, breed a bit more efficient output than what they've got out of the position these last five years. So all that's to say that I mean they've got a new starting quarterback this season. He was last year's backup. Uh, Cole Annette has um you know has been named the the starter for um, you know for the upcoming season. He only saw you know his time last year as a backup was sporadic. He saw some mop up duty against uh, you know against Irving MacArthur. was able to showcase his speed in that game. He had a 46 yard touchdown run so he is capable of you know of getting a bit more um, you know from a dual threat perspective which is what kind of you know Plano's kind of favored out of the position you know in recent years. Um, and you know so him, it's it's kind of it's fair to say that they're probably a little bit. I mean, they've got guys who are back, but it's kind of unproven as far as being able to shoulder a uh, you know the workload of a uh, of a pretty regularly of a routinely targeted wide receiver. You know, last season they uh, you know they completed. Let me see, I got the number somewhere. They completed just um they completed 76 passes last year. Of their 76 completions, 55 went to either Kyron Cumby or Caleb McAway, who has since graduated. So that's almost three quarters of their completions last season. The uh, the next closest figure was um, Jaden Chambers and Isaiah Calhoun, both of whom are back. They're juniors this year, but they each had seven catches apiece last season. So they're kind of unproven it's as far great. as the as far as you know players who are able to handle a, a you know routine workload being you know covered by number one corners and so you know so to speak. How so. much
3: confidence did to get in the playoffs last year to, to end that drought? You know, oh, a, yeah, are high.
1: they were. I mean, that's a program though where the playoffs are the expectation. You know, it's certainly you know missing the playoffs. You know, one year, little alone multiple years like they had you know prior to last. Season that's you know that's not Plano football as people would you know would like to remember. So it's a program that um you know they've got enough enough back and toe and there is you know I mentioned they're inexperienced at receiver you know and they've still got some you know some talent around there you know beyond Chambers and Calhoun you know Heinrich I'm going to mispronounce this last name almost certainly Adriance they use a tight end Christian Sabatini they're and they've got them you know beyond Cumbie and Crist like I said who you know could potentially see some work in the slot they've got another you know weapon on offense a sophomore that came in I believe from the Pleasant area named Tylen Hines, you know who could um, you know, the move, in. know yeah. the move in. <laughs> so it's a, I mean it's an offense that again like you know Jalen McCullough said that he anticipates and he's actually you know fairly optimistic about what they could do through the year. He thinks they'll be able to pass the ball and you know forecasted them being maybe a bit more balanced you know with run and pass than they have been in recent yeah. years. So that'll be it'll be interesting to see how it pans out. You know they're going to be able to run the ball. I mean that's that's a that's a given. There's
3: that line they used to have a really good. Oh
1: yeah yeah I mean they've got they've got plenty of size up there just like but then again so does every team in this district. I mean, they've got plenty of size up front as well. Um, so it'll just be a question of, um, yeah, I mean, we, if they, do, uh, you, you mentioned like wow well, and be able to overcome, you know, the deficit. That's always been the question for you know for Plano as well. If they get down by, you know, 14, 17 points, will they be able to dig out? You know, they did a good job last year against Trinity. Um, you know, when they got down, they were able to have to rally there in the fourth quarter to force overtime. Ultimately, they lost in overtime, but they had to come back and stage a, uh, you know, a game-tying drive in the fourth quarter. And one thing that they did that really kind of anchored that, uh, that drive was that they um, they sped up the tempo and it's something that you know not going to be just a no hole run 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 offense this year. But McCullough did intimate that you know what we feel like we feel comfortable enough you know after seeing how successful we are with something like that. The we'll you know if need be we can you know kind of bounce we can kind of mix up the tempo um, you know if we have to this season. So. Yes, you know can you pull up the schedule? I think they have to come to M I C Stadium and play both
3: both McKinney teams. If that is a, if that is true, they have to win one game at that stadium. I don't know which one of the playoffs one of the playoff te- playoff teams is coming twice. It's either East or senior high. I think it's off.
1: It is going to be. Come on, computer. Let's load. <laughs> Keep talking, Kendrick Pam. <laughs> 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 because
3: uh, because uh, protecting home feelings, you know, in this um in this district is as an underrated trait. But if you don't do it, it'll come back to you. You don't want to be in week ten and you got to go to John Clark Stadium and you're McKinney, or you're um um got to go to Prosper somewhere and win these these um, traditional home feelings. Where it's tough to play.
1: You don't want that in your life. They um they will host McKinney on October twelfth at Clark Stadium, and then the penultimate game of the season they visit the seventy million dollar palace or <laughs> whatnot um, against against Boyd on <laughs> November second. So yeah, second so last of, second last game of the season. So that could be. very well be the uh, as we've talked about that could very well be a massive one as far as you know playoff births are concerned. So that's a uh, that is a cursory look at Plano as far as just their outlook this season. You know, like we mentioned, I mean I I think that they've they've got enough. I mean. Like I said, they're going to be able to run the ball. It remains to be seen just to what extent they'll be able to move the ball through the air. Um, if they, if the passing game is able to, and I'm not even saying that they have to pass over 1,000 yards, but you gotta get, you got to bump up that completion percent. <laughs> you cannot be hovering around 50-50 like they have these past five years. Um,
3: so, um, <laughs> Keep doing what you do last the last half decade. Do, don't do it.
1: <laughs> So, I mean, if they're able to establish, you know, an, an efficient passing game with Colinette. that, and be, I mean, I think that'd be the key word right now just efficiency exactly. out of the passing game. And if they're able to do that, well, I think it's a team that, like we've mentioned with Boyd, like East, they should be in the mix for one of those, you know, last two playoff spots as far as, you know, you know whether Plus or not it's
3: both to playoffs, get in. Does, it, does more than one PIC team make it to the playoffs this year? It seems like Man, it's gonna it's, be like last year, though. I think it's
2: possible. I think it's yeah. possible and I, I guess I'll expand on it when we uh yeah, I think when we p- have our standing It's but certainly yeah, possible. I,
1: there's well yeah, we'll get to it later on, but there's a clutter of teams that
2: whether they made it or whether they were inside teams shocking. just coin flips all the way down. Yeah. So, so let's
1: then talk about another team in that uh, in that mix. at least you know according to us who knows we'll see but Prosper <laughs> a team that's uh, going to be making the uh, the move to class uh, to class 6A this season after a uh, after a dominant run in uh you know in district 145 just in 5A in general they went three rounds deep yeah. last season they've been a they've been a quality program as far as um you know what the big storyline is and we can all chime in on this obviously since Brian Murphy's unfortunately not here for this podcast which he'll be covering them primarily this season um how do we kind of foresee them acclimating to Class
3: 6A? I think they remind me of um, a little bit more deeper um, McKinney a mm-hmm. couple years ago, but they'll upset somebody. They'll beat somebody they're supposed to beat, but they will not get in the playoffs mm-hmm. because they have that's five. They have five A depth. I don't think they have six A depth yet. Just mm-hmm. the way things are go, and their team, from what I've seen, they couldn't play from behind because you see the games they lost in playoffs or so the games they didn't play from mm-hmm. behind after being kind of like being like the Allen. A five A, so to speak. They were the big boys on the block, so and adjusting that mindset is going to be a rude awakening for those guys. But, they, but they're royal coach. They'll be in a lot of games, but I just don't think that yeah. year one they're going to be able to go grab it, or or year one they're going to just going have to go on the road and come to MISD Stadium and pop Boyd that's hungry in their trail. I don't see it happening.
1: You, you mentioned being able to play from behind, and that is you know if we're just looking at you know some individual you know units that. You know, kind of anxious to see how they handle you know the rigors of competing in six A. It's going to be at the quarterback position with uh, with yeah. Keegan Shoemaker, who does have a lot of experience within the you know within the program. I believe he's entering his third year as their uh, as their starting yeah, quarterback. Healthy,
3: he got hurt. Um, I know his sophomore year. I think he got nicked up. He wasn't one hundred percent in the playoffs. I don't think he missed games, but he got hurt. Like he was out some games as a sophomore. Keegan
1: Shoemaker had a fascinating season last year, and I'm going to tell you exactly uh, exactly why. So if you look at Keegan Shoemaker's junior season his first seven starts he completed just 55 percent of his passes Um, over that same stretch he averaged only 95.3 passing yards per game total he threw three touchdowns last year year. threw three touchdowns and five interceptions over his first seven starts of the season his last five starts of the season he completed 69.3 percent of his passes He averaged 160 passing yards per game, and then on total, he threw for nine passing touchdowns and two interceptions. It is night and day—the kind of year that kid had—and I'm talking about that ladder sample. That was during the playoffs too. The yeah. back half of that too was I, the I know, playoff I'm game. Caleb
3: Adams got hurt too. Yeah,
1: and that's another thing. Yeah, it's it's going to be interesting to see how his role evolves if he's able to build off of that strong finish. Because they will not have, obviously, Caleb Adams, yeah. who was the you know co, the co MVP yeah. out of 14-5a. Very nice runner. And kind of the bell cow of that offense. He was the uh, he was the anchor of that thing. So without him, you know, they're planning to shift uh, you know defensive back Wayne Anderson, who saw some oh. time as a as a running back last year, but he's expected to take over the full. Time uh, starting role. Um, if he's able to, you know, pick up that, I mean, it's an offense that commands, you know, a lot of production out of the uh, out of the running back. But if um, yeah. you know, if Shoemaker is able to showcase what he was able to over those last five starts, then I mean, it could be a, a fairly seamless transition for Prosper. Not as far as like you know running the table and dishes right. or anything, but as far <laughs> as being able to show that kind of like McKinney did that first year and uh, you know, when they got back into uh into six A that they were um they're they're, for real they were able going to hang to with Plano SD. They gonna that. go nowhere. They didn't look overwhelmed, because, I mean, I do think, and yeah. I mentioned this a ways back, but I do think that Prosper is coming into 6A in a in a better spot than McKinney was yeah. when they were making the jump, and Wiley, for that matter, you know, two years ago, and those are two teams that, you know, Wiley made the playoffs in 16, McKinney in 17, they showed they could punch, you know, they could punch above their weight with those bigger schools, yeah. and, um, you know, Prosper to be seen if they'll be able to do the same, but, you know, there at least is a blueprint there of teams that have made this move before, you know, that weren't, you know, perennially, you know, one right. of the area's best at the 5A level. One thing though that has um, got me a little bit curious is what they're going to do on defense because they lost a lot. They, uh, <laughs> yeah, their defense last year—they they, 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 they had running.
3: guys that they had nobody spectacular, but they had a lot of guys that knew their job and did their own. Mm-hmm. They
1: yeah, had—they were Bill they Pellicci guys. That's right, absolutely. <laughs> they had—they um, they had twenty-two uh, kids make the uh, make the all district team last year. Sixteen of them were seniors, and ten of them were on defense. Yikes. Also seniors. Yeah. <laughs> the, they had 11 kids total um, named all district on defense, and the 11th was Wayne Anderson, who, as we mentioned, is going to be a running right. back. So they lost a ton of talent on that side of the ball. And right, I mean, I know they're backing on. I know the uh, you know the JV team apparently was pretty strong last year, on, like eight and two, nine and one, something like that. Well, that's uh, his final comeback.
3: I know, yeah, yeah, but it's yeah. that's on the depth I think.
1: But that's that comes going in. to be that's going to be a lot a lot of wide eyed looks. You know, that first. That's right. why they'll have to. Um, you know, the non district schedule it's it's manageable. It's not you know, it's not too difficult. Not too. Not too uh, too easy. I think it's name and Force, Keller Timber Creek, and Flowermount. I want to say are their three non-district games, yeah. and I think that's if you are a playoff team in nine six a, then you know you should be. Uh, that seems like a two and, two and one yeah. three and zero oh, yeah. on the upside. Yeah. But um, yeah. So I it's I think I, they'll. You mentioned being able to stay healthy, and you know they've got. I think the some of the starting size is impressive. Their offensive line has some you know some real great. They got some. some they got some
3: college line. Taylor, <laughs> like the Caleb Allen's guy, was five seven last year. He literally could hide behind his line for about three, <laughs> two, two, three yards and then take off.
1: I'm talking yeah, Carson Schaefer six three two eighty, Jake Major six four two seventy, Adam Sheriff six five two seventy five. So that's, that's, that's college line. Oh bro. yeah. So they've got the size up there to bang with the uh, you know, in the trenches with uh, with the rest of these uh, these big schools. But yeah, it's just kind of a I don't know. I'm, I'm very much TBD on this pro- yeah. program. Yeah. <laughs> I mean,
2: <laughs> I think that's the only correct approach at least this early um, before they've even literally lined up for a regular season game. I think the only way to approach it is, you know, unlike a lot of the other sports, you know, baseball, volleyball. I think they'll blend pretty seamlessly into 6A. Football is just a different animal, you especially to, in 96A. Like it's gotta just take, you got to take your lumps. Yeah, yeah, it's just it's different talent, it's different depth, it's different. You know, just experience. You know, guys that have played at the the six A level in six six A for you know two years or whatever the case may be. So it's it's not a slight against Prosper to say that we're unsure. It's just that I think it's the only way you can be before they show something else, before they prove that you know they they might have a better time adjusting than than some other teams did. But I think it's just it's too up in the air, and football is too physical and and too. I don't know, just the competition, I guess, in 96A as a whole is... is different, on a different scale almost in football than it is in some of the other sports where I feel like they might compete a little better. There's no,
1: uh, you know, that's, I think this applies to Prosper across all sports, is just being able to adjust to knowing week in and week out, you're yeah. going to be seeing right. a quality team. And, you know, you're not going to have any, uh, you know... Built-in buys against Kota ISD. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <not> the Farmers <laughs> march ISD. Sorry, Sorry, I <laughs> <laughs> um, But yeah, I mean, there were games last year in 14-5A where, you know, you could certainly, you know, you could go fifty percent and still be in good shape, or you're not going to be afforded that. And just being able to, you know, you could get jazzed up last year for the game against you know, right. little Elm on the colony or whatever, Lake Dallas, but you know, that's a little bit of a different ball game when you got you know just one.
3: That's five to the five eight forty five. Eights.
1: One beast after another. It's just going up against bigger schools, deeper schools, bigger athletes. It's just yeah, it's just it's, it comes part and parcel with the transition. So it means to be seen how they will handle it. it seems like a good time to take a break. We've uh, we've talked about at sure. least uh, you know the first five schools on the we've got two more we're going to yep. talk some Plano West and we're going to talk some McKinney plus games to watch top four predictions all after a word from this sponsor Today's student-athlete spotlight is brought to you by Bavarian Grill, authentic Bavarian food and beer garden. Listed by the Zagat Survey as the highest-rated German restaurant in Texas for 12 years in a row. 12 years! That's three presidential terms. Uh, You can enjoy traditional and authentic spring favorites now. Everything from appetizers like slow-roasted ham hock and potato pancakes to entrees like bratwurst or breaded schnitzel. Uh, Bring your whole family for lunch and dinner. They are open Tuesday through Saturday, located off Parker and Highway 75 in Plano, Bavarian Grill. And now, let's get back to the podcast. All right, and let's continue our discussion of District 96A, previewing this district for the upcoming football season. We have talked five schools already. we got two more on the docket. Let's go with McKinney. The Lions, fresh off a... uh... Great year for them, snapped that I uh, what was it, an 8-9 year playoff drought, were able to sweep Plano ISD. Set, set a state record in the process, uh, Talk, but it's a much different ball game for the Lions this time yeah. around. Talk a little uh, bit about the biggest storyline heading into the year for McKinney.
3: Where are they going to get production? Well, I guess I'll start back up. <laughs> the, the one word that surrounds this program is rebuild that new coach new offensive unit. They have no offensive starters, new coaching staff, so everything's new, new stadium. So rebuild and new are the two words associated with McKinney High. I don't have them going to the playoffs but I think they're going to be that team that if somebody come up sleeping or don't go half-stepping they'll catch them yeah. sport in, in October, November and that one loss will be like how Plano West did McKinney two years ago mm-hmm. will be that loss that come out it's like oh y'all lost to them but they're definitely building the right stuff because uh, Coach Shavers has uh, he's really building on both his lines and then he um, kind of building like um, I guess from the line out mm-hmm. and that's going to be good for the program, but not good for 2018 because guys gonna have to take their lumps somewhere in this district. It's one of those things like if they were in another district, they could still get back in the playoffs. Mm-hmm. But being this beast of a district, we say every Friday right. night, it's just you, you don't you can't take your lumps like that on Friday nights and think you gonna win. Uh, right. when you you can these- argue
2: that the number two through number six seeds are just completely up in the air. So somebody has to be seven and eight, and somebody has to get beat up on by the that
3: bubble. I got the winning of a, a beating on West but that's the only one but um, Coach Shavers this is not his first I won't call it a reclamation project because no no a, I was just looking at the numbers from, because his, he, he, from he, <laughs> he was 18 and 6 program had been in the doldrums for over a decade went to the playoffs twice won a playoff game so he knows what he's doing but people at McKinney give this man time <laughs> he got, has time to work his magic. You see the, the blueprints of it it's just you don't just take over that job in the spring and come in this district. And just rough, rough, rough shot just right. no. don't happen.
1: The staccato was two and eight before Coach uh, Coach Shavers got there on Lubbock, and then, like you said, Kendrick, they went eight and four one year, ten and two another. So an immediate turnaround. Yeah, and time will tell if you know if McKinney enjoys a, a similar. Yeah, uh, similar so I think four, five
3: and five this year that would be good. Kind of like um, like uh, the, the program definitely can survive in six A. They proved that, mm. but I think they kind of have the mentality that the, the Lions had two years ago when they were new. They wanted to prove themselves and they. Ended Oh, we be playing though. Okay, we can do this. Oh, we can beat Wiley. We gotta be Wiley in the playoffs. That's gonna be a big thing. But they could salvage their season November 9th. M I S T Stadium If they can find a way To beat Boyd They don't want to talk about it They had them on the ropes Last year All they had to do They had the ball uh, They had to go 60 some yards They gave the ball To done Dunn Four times Gaddick had 230 He cramps up And he gets stopped On the last play of the game Of the cross showdown And you had 9,000 people with uh, two different viewpoints of that game, so that's gonna be their key game of the year. It will it will end up being um, playing uh, beating Boyd, who's beating them nine times in a row. And They let row. them know in every. Day, uh, I'm talking about baseball, basketball games. Mm-hmm. Games they they got beat by thirty points in basketball last year, and they hauled off. 2017. And like it just gets quiet. <laughs> so that could salvage their yeah. season, even though it's the last game of the
1: year. it be a massive feather in the cap for Coach Shavers if you're going yeah. <laughs> to Is that the season finale? The season finale. Yeah, just no. to cap your first year. whether you're in the playoffs or not, just to get that springboard. You have momentum heading into the offseason. Especially if
3: they can start off with the win. They could be McKinney City champions and have something to build on. They play North to kick off the stadium a week from. Tomorrow yep. seven o'clock MISD Stadium. Right. If you want to see the seventy Palace up close, you you wanna get lit. I know uh, me and Matt got a tour Taylor, even if you don't even it's care pretty about nice. the thing. Like it's got all the bells and whistles. I mean
2: just driving by it on, on one twenty one, mm-hmm. you know, going to seventy five, it's I mean it looks
1: nice. Yeah. It looks that video board is massive. impressive. <laughs> The facilities are impressive. The uh, the restrooms, there's a ton of yeah. them. Yeah, <laughs> there's there's like no, 29 stalls. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, it's it's a, it's an impressive facility they did. The, the, uh, the thing
3: I'm looking for is see the uh, for All, all, right all the programs from North to the 6A programs, can they get that home? They got the home fill identity. Can you get that home for advantage? Mm-hmm. Because that's going to come up key as they as they get this thing going. Because that's what Allen has. Oh, yeah. You know, you go go to that stadium. It's it's going to be a long day. It's like playing in the college stadium. Yeah.
1: Let's run this out with a look at Plano West. Sure. Plano West that is looking to build off a year that, you know, there's no getting around it. You know, yep. that 0-10 is not going anywhere. You know, Plano West. Uh, 0-10 never again. Yeah, once and never right. again. That's a good way to that's a good <laughs> way to look at it. So as the as the Wolves try and uh, regroup in this bounce back season, just talk a bit about the biggest storyline at Westside in Plano.
2: I mean, obviously, the biggest glaring storyline is that they don't have a quarterback as of right now. Even as of now, publicly, you know that that they're announcing heading into their uh, their first scrimmage tomorrow, um, they don't have a, a starting quarterback. Uh, there's a a hole left by um, now, least a, um, at least a,
1: a defined starter. A defined yeah. Yeah. starter. They have they have they have three players options. who are vying for the position. Yes, they have three
2: <laughs> options at starter. They're not just going to run uh, <laughs> run somebody out there. But um, essentially, it comes down to juniors Danny Davis, who is also a, a star for the Plano West baseball team on the mound, um, and Will Cannon. Uh, who's very, uh, he looks like Sunshine from Remember the Titans, if you want to get a a mental image, if you haven't seen the kid exactly like Sunshine, so um, maybe a vote of confidence from from some people just for for that fact Uh, and then sophomore Greg Drawn Um, all three a little bit different, Cannon and Davis are a little more similar in that they're real lengthy uh prototypical quarterbacks. I'm six four and they're both about an inch taller than me. So they're very, mm-hmm. you know long, um, big arms, just kind of typical pocket quarterbacks, although sneaky athletic, especially in Davis's case. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Dron is pretty much the opposite. he's uh, he is, he is uh, a little guy, but but pretty uh, pretty stacked and and really runs well, much more of a kind of a dual threat athlete come in and run the RPO. Um, but yeah, heading into their their scrimmage uh, against Capel, there's still not a name starter, and, and Coach uh, Scott Smith said that all three guys will see time, so they they will name a starter prior to the Frisco Reading game. Mm-hmm. Um, but as of right now, it's it's still up in the air. My gut feeling is that. From my conversations with, with Coach Smith, they plan to use whichever two uh, don't take the majority of snaps and, and don't earn that QB1 role as you know receivers and, and other places in the offense. So my gut feeling is maybe that Will Cannon uh, gets the nod as the starter. Um, like I said, he's very pro-typical quarterback, has a really good arm, um, stands tall uh, back there in the pocket. And I think that you might get the most value out of him being the the QB one with Drawn and Davis who might be a little bit better athletes mm. you know spending more time at, at receiver or, or in the slot or wherever else they're going to line up you know the two guys that, that don't uh, get the starting job so my early impression my gut feeling maybe Cannon gets the nod but it, it could literally go anyway um, but the thing that, it, that it'll be interesting to see is um, Coach Smith said it's going to change their offense pretty significantly it's no secret that Jake Sweeney and, and the Wolves didn't throw the ball much last year um and this year he estimated that you know if, if the run game isn't working or whatever there may be days, they're as much as, as 70-30 pass run, which is a, a far cry from from where they were last year. Yeah, He said they're going to run um, some more true tight end sets. They were thinking about implementing that uh, last year but had a pretty key injury that, that kind of prohibited that and made them move um, the guy that they wanted to be their tight end off, but they have a group of two or three guys that, that they're going to rotate there, so some more true tight end sets and really just try to kind of be a different, more dynamic Team offensively um, on the defensive side, they have some veterans, and I think they'll be—I think they'll be pretty good. There's some talent. Um, they run a four-man front. Nothing really, you know, special. They like to kind of run a multitude of, of formations and, and throw some different looks and, and stuff like that. But you know, for them, the the outlook and the goal is is simply to to get back on track. I mean, you go 0 and 10. You know, if you talk to them, their goal is to get in the playoffs. But I don't think that's Um, at least externally, a a very realistic thing in this district. There's just too many good teams, like we talked about, the top six. Um, Outside of Allen, the five teams under Allen could almost go any direction. So, you know, somebody has to get beat up on in this district. And and with a team that just went 0-10, before they they give you a reason to to feel some way different that you know they're gonna they're gonna end up on the outside looking in, but they have some winnable games. I think that matchup with Reedy will be interesting in the first week. Really good five A program, um, but you know potentially winnable. It'll be interesting to see who gets the quarterback job. Uh, they play Mesquite. That could be a winnable football game. Mm-hmm. Uh, when they play McKinney and District, I think that might be a game that they that they win. It's it's uh, certainly a game that comes a little later on, so you know they can. They can, uh, you know, have maybe gotten their feet under them because the big thing that Scott Smith has said, and, and one of the things I wrote in one of my spring stories, is that, um, you know, for a team that, that went 0 10, they don't act like it. <coughs> they certainly don't feel like it. Confidence is kind of their big thing. So if they get off to a start and, and compete with Reedy or beat Reedy, beat Mesquite potentially, you know, who knows? Maybe they, maybe they go, you know, 2 and 2 and 8 3 and 7 somewhere around there and just like I said I think the goal for them the expectation is just try to get back on track and try to get back on the path toward relevance
1: Playing a uh, much more manageable non-district schedule a good way to start with that compared to last year when it was John Tyler, Huber, yeah. and Saxey.
2: Yeah. I mean that's. Just, I mean the scheduling I mean, happened before, but they yeah, kind yeah. of lined up uh, a yeah. uh, something uh, acc- that's
1: more something that's more befitting of a team coming <laughs> yeah. off no intensity.
2: Accidentally lined up a little bit of a murderer's row for a team that wasn't ready for it. Quickly, let's,
1: let's look at uh, some games to watch. The uh, Kendrick, what is the game to watch in your neck of the woods for the 2018 season in
3: 96A for each team.
1: Just for just one. Pick one game. Just one game. What your is biggest your, game your biggest McKinney game
3: to watch? McKinney and Plano. Because whoever wins that game is going to give the third or fourth spot. I don't know which one. They can both actually make the playoffs, in my,
1: in my opinion. But whoever wins that game will for
3: McKinney sure.
2: McKinney Boyd or McKinney?
1: McKinney Boyd. Okay. okay. As you mentioned, that game is November second at MISD yeah, late, Stadium, yeah, so yeah. second to last week of the season. So obviously, prime, you know, playoff stakes, playing game type. Uh, you know, in fact last year, if Boy would have won, beat them, they would have got in. And Plano wouldn't have got in. That's how how big it was. Yeah. Trevor, so, where did you land on your on your games? I'm going to go I'm gonna the
2: watch. I'm going to go the other way in district instead of a late game. It's it's literally the very first week of district play. Um, Plano East will go to McKinney Boyd in that that brand new stadium. Lots of big games for McKinney Boyd this season. Yeah, I think I think that that's going to be really telling um, just uh, those two teams. I know we've had the discussion on the podcast several times about it being early and sometimes teams aren't quite there or, or you know, quite firing on all cira- cylinders, but I think that, that those two teams are, are cemented kind of in that bubble um, and and I think that, that early, literally as early as you can get, that first district game uh, will tell us a lot about maybe where those two teams are and, and kind of the outlook for the rest of their district play and, and whoever wins you know, that's, that's a big boon going into you look at East. You know they beat Boyd. If they beat Boyd, they go to Prosper, uh, or they host Prosper the next week. Which you know maybe that gives them another winnable game. And then you know there's 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 a chance that it could start a little bit of momentum and a little bit of a, a run for whoever wins that game to, to start district play. So looking uh, looking forward to that one and, and the implications, the early implications that that it has.
1: I will with game with a game that's right smack dab in the middle, October 19th. Look at this. And I'm kind of on the fence here because on the one hand, I want to say, like, on paper, if you believe, you know, preseason projections, you know, a lot of folks seem to have Allen and Jesuit as the top two teams right. in, the, in this district, and so naturally, well, when's their game going to be? Well, it's going to be October 19th at Eagle Stadium. This was a game, you know, as we've mentioned before, that was initially supposed to be in Jesuit, mm-hmm. and they um, they were able to, you um, know, in, in years past, just because, you know, Jesuit does not have the largest uh, stadium to host a, uh, you know, school like Allen, they'd be, a, a they small be, able, college. be able to find a, uh, you know, a neutral site field, like they played at Ford Stadium at SMU. You you know in the past um, they weren't able to find a neutral site for um, you know for this year's meeting so they decided to shift it entirely to Allen and obviously yes Jesuit is getting some sort of a, a reimbursement or compensation from that <laughs> um, but on the one hand like. I don't know if I want to pick that as my game to watch because on the one night, I feel like I just fell for this you know, what? <laughs> two years ago with, uh, with with Denton-Geyer once Denton-Geyer got realigned with the district and oh man Allen and Denton-Geyer can't wait to see there how could be some somebody
2: in Allen's district to oh, yeah, do well, something we might get
1: a competitive game out of this district and that's not the same I mean listen Allen's won 48 consecutive district games and 43 of them have been, by, have been by double digits the numbers are what they are um, and then you know obviously I was you know jazzed to yeah, see you know, Allen and yeah. Geyer I was Jazz to see Allen and Geyer throw down last year in two years those two meetings. Things. Allen beat them by a combined score of eighty-seven to fourteen. Man. So I'm not I'm not falling for it. You know Man. what? If JJ Jes- if goes into Eagle Stadium, and gives Allen all they can handle, then right at this time next year, then that would be my game <laughs> to watch. <laughs> it in- down. I'm instead in- going for, uh, for a game, <laughs> going for a game that was um. There's actually a blast to watch these last uh, these last two years. Don't look now, folks, but the Plano Plano East rivalry is making a comeback. Yeah. The uh, the uh, the Wildcats and Panthers these last two years have staged some thrilling games late in the season um, you know last year's game did legit have you know playoff implications as far as Plano was concerned i think with Boyd winning in that fact, actually in
3: the same time as Crosstown showdown yeah. it, it with playoff implications yeah. you got twitter and social media i know i gained like 15 20 followers that night yeah. alone man. <laughs> um, see so yeah, i
1: mean plano won last year's meeting 44 to 41 east won the year before 40 to 39 both games were wild crazy insane shootouts that came right down to the closing minutes um, and the rivalry itself is really back and forth and competitive plano Leads 80, 18 to 17 to one all time. So uh, yeah, not one
3: side of that cross show showdown.
1: So um, so yeah, that um, this game unfortunately does not happen in the last week of the season like it has the past two years. So you won't get that uh, you know, the season finale back. Not quite up. so lucky
2: to have it line up that way, but.
1: But a game that, nevertheless, could, um, as we've kind of been been intimating, two teams that we expect to be in that mix for a playoff spot and the winner here could very well be the team that gets in. So, yeah, that's, uh, you know, Allen Jesuit. And it's happening the same night as Allen Jesuit. So, you know, if you're a neutral fan, need some place to go, well, obviously, yeah. I mean, the star power is going to be out in Allen. But if history is any indication, the more competitive game might be at Kimber Stadium in uh, in Murphy. So that's... uh, Game to watch for me. Let's go. Uh, let's close this out with a look at our projected top are four. Are way teams. too early. I'll, be big, I'll put my big boy pants. All right. That's pretty. What pretty are the big boy pants, Gander? Who was sight scene, Who are your projected top four playoff teams out of this district?
3: We got Allen. We got Jesuit. We got McKinney Boyd, and wait for it. Plano Senior High. Plano Senior High. In the fourth spot, I guess that, that's why I got I got Allen sweeping. I mean Allen uh, got Boyd sweeping PSD this year to come up short. I don't like mm-hmm. right the wrong and getting that playoffs. Okay, that, that home field advantage is is, is overlooked. Without every, I think like I said, they play two of the, the the two stronger play on teams. Play them at MISD. Mm-hmm. Of course, you gonna play McKinney MISD. You play Allen, the one team that would be built in that you're gonna be an underdog in on the road. So everything they got the right scenario, mm-hmm. schedule lined up, strong senior class. Can they get the job done?
1: And you would think if there's a year when that home field advantage is going to be at a uh, fever pitch, it's going to be that first year of the, the stadium special. and everything is so fresh and new. Uh, Taylor where did you land On your projected top four
2: um, Well number one May shock you But it's Allen uh, I think that <laughs> I think that uh, There's there's not a single uh, Analyst reporter uh, Anything that covers This district that, that won't have them Winning the district um, After that I do have Jesuit uh, I'm interested to see uh, I think they will finish Second in the district But it might be a little Closer than people think um, You know East beat them last year and, and obviously They bring a lot back And they're very talented You and I were talking Earlier they I think Definitely the mo- the second most talented team uh, behind Allen, uh, and sometimes that just you know could very well
1: have the district's leading rusher, EJ Smith, son yeah. of Emmett, who um, yeah was great yeah. last year for uh, for the Rangers, and yeah he's projected to be kind of yeah. the centerpiece of that offense. Sometimes Allen
2: just gets it done, so they could come over to 96A, and then I envision them kind of fitting right in and and landing it at second. Um, a third, I actually have Plano East. Uh, from 3-7 from and seven to, to third place in 9-6A, uh, seems like a bit of a long shot, but I think if we're going to talk talent, I think they're extremely talented, uh, especially on the offensive side of the ball. I think they're just going to plain outscore a lot of teams. Uh, if their defense improves at all, um, they will outscore a lot of teams. Uh, Brandon Mallory is, is a veteran in, in the real deal. Uh, he's got his entire receiving core. Um, so I'm going to go with East at, at, at three, and then um, as we alluded to earlier, I have two PS these schools in the playoffs. I'll go with Plano Senior, uh, number four. I think Cumbie is again just you know electric and, and a game changer. That. Yep. And I think that until Boyd proves that, um, I actually have Boyd in fifth, right under Plano. You so until awesome. until until Boyd proves that you know they're ready to to take that step back and, and get in the playoffs, um, I'm not quite sold, but. I mean, we've said it several times already just during this podcast. Who knows? You know, you get past Allen. Like I said, you could even argue as soon as you get underneath Allen, you have no idea what the next five teams are going to do. So, I mean, it could be any combination of teams. But I'll go Allen, Jesuit, uh, Plano East, Plano Senior. Yep. As far as
1: reasoning behind this, I mean, we've been talking <laughs> for <laughs> plenty of time as far as why, uh, you know, what, what to expect out of each of these teams. So I will keep this one brief. I have Allen finishing first in the district. I, too, am on the, uh, the Jesuit war wagon or whatever you want to call it. Have them finishing cool. second, and um, yes, I too have two Plano ISD teams in the playoffs. I have Plano finishing third and East finishing fourth. So congratulations yes. to McKinney Board and Prosper on clinching those last two playoff <laughs> right. spots yeah. in the in the district. So that is um, yes, that is a look at uh, District Nine Six A. What a podcast. So let's, um, all right, let's, let's close this one out. Um, obviously, uh, Kendrick, Taylor, appreciate y'all for tagging by, tagging along, I should say. We have one more on the docket for Monday. Where we will discuss District 6, uh, 6 a and, uh, yeah, a look at Lewisville ISD, look at Capel to close this thing out. And then it is on to football season. It is almost here, gentlemen. So, um, in the meantime, folks, this has been Matt Welch with Star Local Media. Appreciate y'all for checking this out. Enjoy the rest of your week. We will talk to y'all later.
0: Looking to hire top talent in your community?